And we are doing a small series that will take us probably through the end of October, uh, almost to the Thanksgiving season. And it's just kind of a quick look through what is often called the Beatitudes. And as we said last week, the Beatitudes, uh, that's just a Latin word that means blessings. And Jesus gives these eight different blessings that sound like things that we're supposed to do. But as we discussed last week also, these aren't things to aspire to or things that you're supposed to do. Uh, But basically, these are just things that we often find ourselves in. And then Jesus is announcing good news. These blessings are wonderful news, good news to people in these particular positions and things that are going on in your life. So that's what we're going through. We're in the second week of this series. Um, And today's text dives into the harsh reality that all of us face. And if you were kind of clued into the video during the offering and then to some of our songs here this morning that we were doing in worship, there's this theme that we kind of put all together leading up to this part and all the way to the end of our service with our closing song. Um, and that is that we all face these, I, this very real reality of grief, of mourning, hardship, and loss. Moments when we really do ask the question, where are you, God? So, so just for fair warning, this probably isn't going to be one of those super good, feel-good type messages, but there's something that we all need to hear. Because it's because of this content, because of these harsh realities, that this news is so wonderful that Jesus has come to give us. But looking back at this question, has that ever crossed your mind? Have you ever looked at this world in general with all the pain and suffering and death, and have you wondered, where are you, God, in the midst of that? You've gone through something in your own life personally, or somebody within your family has gone through something, and you've wondered, where are you, God? Every one of us has probably been there. And you know what? God is okay with this question. He's big enough to handle it. And and when you go through things like abuse or neglect or betrayal, it's a normal question. When health issues lead to difficult treatment and still sometimes even death at the end of that treatment, this is a normal question. And even this idea of death takes so many forms as well. Obviously, The first thing that comes to mind is is physical death and the separation from the person that we love. But there's also could be the death of a dream, a hope that you had, where you literally have to grieve over it before you can move on. The death of a relationship through divorce or some other painful experience. The death of a season where where things are going to be completely different moving forward and there's no way you can put the genie back in the bottle. Personally, I've been there many times in my life where I've asked this question. Some of you know our story, but over the first 10 years of our marriage, Danny and I had to deal with seven miscarriages and the grief that came with each of those losses. Um, And there were days that I would just sit in my office and I would ask the question, where are you? As a family, we went through a stretch last fall for about three months 
or so that included some of the hardest things a family should ever have to go through. Stuff we don't talk about. Only a few people know. It was difficult, but those were the days that many of us were asking, where are you, God? And those are just my examples. And I know you have yours. There is so much pain, so much loss, so much mourning, so much grieving in this world. We long to be comforted. We long for a God who actually cares And we long for a day when all this stuff will finally be over, when it will end. That's why the words that Jesus speaks next are so powerful as he says, I have wonderful news for the mourners. You are going to be comforted. And then another way to say that would be to say, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. And again, as we said last week, this is not a virtue to aspire to because nobody needs to seek after a situation that was going to produce mourning and grieving, right? I mean, things just happen automatically in our broken world that creates these moments. So, So Jesus is not saying that it is good news that you're mourning. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that since life in this broken world produces grief and mourning, that we all need this good news. And this good news is that you will be comforted. Not might be, not maybe, but you will be comforted. It's a promised reality. And I think we all could use some of that good news here this morning. All right? So let's start unpacking this right away with our first point. So number one. Be reminded that through Christ, you are not alone or forgotten. First, we need to see what Jesus said here in context, right? He's, up, he's giving this sermon on the mount, up here on the mountain. He's got a, a totally mixed audiences of Gentiles and Jewish folks, people from all walks of life. But specifically to the nation of Israel, Israel was feeling very alone and very forgotten. About 600 years prior to that moment when Jesus was speaking to them, what was left of their divided nation was taken captive by the Babylonians. And they stayed in exile for 70 years. Israel pretty much lost everything at that time. They lost God's presence in the temple. He was gone. They lost their sovereignty as a nation. Life in exile certainly wasn't easy. It was hard. So they began to mourn and they began to grieve over what had happened, including some of their own choices that put them there. And they were grieving over what they lost. And that grief continued even after they were released from captivity because nothing was ever the same after that. Everything had changed. And they longed for it to be what it used to be, but it was never going to be what it used to be. I'm sure many of you here can relate to that. Where everything has changed and it's never going to go back to the way that it was before. And you run the risk of feeling all alone just like Israel did. And they really did begin to feel this way, forgotten, 
But even then, God was making promises in the midst of that moment to bring them comfort, to bring you and I comfort. The prophet Isaiah, long before it happened, prophesied about their captivity, but also the comfort that was to follow. He pointed to the day when a new way, a new deliverer, the Messiah, would bring about the comfort that they were longing for. So look here. Isaiah writes, The Spirit of the Lord, Sovereign Lord, is on me, because the Lord has appointed me or anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then he says, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve. So as Jesus sits on this hillside, and he, and he speaks these words, and he says to all those listening, blessed are those. I've got wonderful news for those who are mourning and grieving, because they will be comforted. Jesus was telling them that they had not been forgotten. That they were not alone. It must have sent shockwaves through the crowd because that's the kind of stuff only the Messiah would say. The one who actually had the power and the authority to bring about that kind of comfort. Where was God? He was right there in the middle of their world, in the middle of their pain, He was there first in a promise, and now he was there in person, the promise fulfilled. Because he was here to start the process of making all things new. And the same thing is true for you and I here this morning. Folks, this this way of Jesus does not eliminate in this lifetime all that would cause us hurt or pain. But it provides a comfort beyond our ability to understand in the midst of that hurt and pain. See, there may be seasons in your life where everything has changed, and it will never be what it used to be. There may be seasons when you feel that God is just being silent, that he's not doing anything, that he's just taking time and he's doing so at your expense. And you're wondering... Where are you, God? And Jesus is saying, I'm right here. You are not alone, and you are not forgotten. He is right there in the middle of your world, in the middle of your pain. Not only to bring you comfort in the midst of it, but to guide you through it and then out of it into whatever the next season in your life will look like. All right, and that takes us to our next point. So number two, trust Jesus completely as your source of comfort. See, the word comfort in the Greek means to encourage to, or to console. So Jesus is presenting himself as the one who is bringing this encouragement, bringing this consolation, consoling. It is an announcement. It is an offer But it is an offer that must be activated. It must be received in order to receive its benefits. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I've got a membership thingy over at Ace Hardware. And they send me these little coupons. You know, $5 off if you spend $25 or whatever. 
You know, and I'm like, yeah, buddy. You know, I spend a lot of money at Ace Hardware, so it's a good thing to get a few bucks off. But I can't tell you how many times I've gone through the checkout with that coupon in my pocket, walk out, got into my car, and I'm like, ugh, I just left 10 bucks on the table, you know? And, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. The need is there, the offer is there to receive his comfort from Jesus directly, but in order to activate it, in order to receive it, you have to activate it. You have to embrace it. You have to receive it. And how do we do that? We do that through trust. Trusting Jesus completely as your source for comfort. Now, and I speak from experience here, you have to... You have to be able to see past your anger in order to do this. You have to see, honestly, you have to see past your own anger at God as to why he didn't stop whatever it was that happened from happening. You have to be able to move past your own view of how God should have acted, at least to the point where you can say, I trust you. You may still be a little angry inside. You may still have a lot of unanswered questions. There may be a lot of hurt and residual still left in there. But the comfort that you desperately need is only found in the place where some of your anger is being directed. And you have to be able to trust that Jesus knows how you feel, that he is the only one who can provide the depth of comfort that you really need. Encouragement, consolation. And so on. I want to share just two metaphors that we see in Scripture that kind of capture the meaning of this word comfort here. All right? One is uh, the prophet Isaiah says this. When he speaks to the Lord, he's speaking about the Lord, he says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. I mean, that's powerful enough, but Isaiah gives us a second example of what comfort and consolation looks like as he writes. The word of the Lord is the Lord says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Folks, God knows exactly what you are going through. And his first thought, his first thought is to carry you close to his heart. And then to comfort you like a mother tries to calm and console a crying child. See, both a lamb and a young child are completely dependent upon the shepherd and the mother as their source in order to keep them calm. Especially if there was an injury or something that was happening and they had to get calm first before any kind of healing was ever going to take place. The shepherd and the mother are intended to be, and most are, safe places for the lamb and the child to be vulnerable, to trust. To be in a place where you can feel pain and be in misery, but also receive immediate comfort at the same time. That is God's heart for you. So going back to our first point, there, there is hardly anything worse than to feel this deep level of hurt, but to feel that hurt as if you were all alone, that no one understands or cares, including God, that just takes it to a whole nother level. That just leaves you without a source to start any kind of healing. 
and it just leaves you in your pain. And Jesus does not want to leave you there. That's why this was intended to be wonderful news. That's why even before Jesus went to the cross and, and, and then knowing that his disciples were not going to understand when they saw that go down. And then before Jesus, before he would be resurrected and then ascend back to the Father, knowing that his disciples were not going to understand that. Before all that happened, Jesus takes this promise that he says right here in Matthew of being our source of comfort. And then he expands on it beyond his singular physical presence. Because he promises us later in John's gospel, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. That word means bereaved, friendless, helpless, as an orphan without parents. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or helper, comforter, to help you and be with you, how long? Forever. The Spirit of Truth. And I've told you all these things while I am with you. He's like, I'm I'm telling you this ahead of time. I'm right here. I'm giving you the words. I'm giving you the promise. I'm telling you what's going to happen. I've told you all these things while I'm with you. But the helper, the advocate, or the comforter will teach you everything and will cause you to remember that I have told you. And this helper, advocate, or comforter is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. And we know that in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit came and became part of our experience as followers of Jesus. Jesus knew all the doubts that we were going to have. Jesus knew all the stuff that you and I were going to go through. Jesus knew that we would need a source to deal with it and to keep going after he departed and went back to the Father. Otherwise, we would probably simply stop trying. We'd stop living. Jesus knew that death and pain and grief are part of this broken world. But he also is saying right here that death, pain, and grief are not the end of the story. And folks, they are not the end of your story. That's why this is wonderful news. See, when the shepherd holds the lamb close to their heart, when the the mother comforts her child, there is an expectation that through that comfort, that healing will begin to take place, and then forward motion will begin once again, where purpose and meaning and strength have been gathered. Confidence, because the source has given you that confidence. Folks, you may not know what is around the corner in your life, but whatever it is, God is already there. And He will walk with you into whatever is next. Alright? We just have to trust Him as we move forward. Folks, the alternative to moving forward is to stop loving, stop risking, stop believing in the truth of God's love for us, to stop believing that you still have a purpose. And folks, that is the opposite of trust. Because when we do that, we stop living and we simply start existing. And we start putting a wall and we build up a wall around our heart. So would you today trust the only source that can bring healing into your life and heart and then to begin that healing process and to walk your way through that?
This Jesus way is the way that you Now, just like we would expect, anything that Jesus does in our lives, he wants then to duplicate in and through our lives to and through others. See, sometimes you just need Jesus with skin on. I mean, you, you, love, you love Jesus and you love the Holy Spirit and, and you get the encouragement from him. But boy, there are some days that you just need another human being. Jesus with skin on. That's where others come in your life. Sometimes others in your life need Jesus with skin on. That's where you come in. We are in this together. And that takes us to our third point. It's the number three. Become instruments of comfort into the lives of others. And this comes, this comes after the moments of, of what I would call crisis. When you're in that crisis at the moment, and, and you're not in a place to be able to really be of any assistance to anyone else. It's your, your turn. It's your turn to have that crisis. You see, this comes after that. After you've had time to pause. After you've, had, uh, you've allowed yourself to grieve. After healing has taken root. At some point, and it is different for everyone, your perspective grows to be able to see beyond your world, and you begin to see the world around you once again. But you see it with fresh eyes. You begin to see the people in your world again, and you begin to see the pains that they're going through, maybe some similar that you've been through. Folks, Jesus knew all, knew that we would all go through stuff that we would need to be comforted in that stuff from God and also from others. And Jesus knew that, that we would need to have healing in our own lives to move forward in spite of that stuff. But Jesus also knew that eventually we would be able to be a comfort to others in their stuff. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul was telling us what true fellowship within a church community looks like. It's, it's a word that many of you have probably heard before. It's called koinonia. And it's what true fellowship within a church community is supposed to be. And as, as part of that description, he would write this. He said, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We have these great times to celebrate with people when they have these accomplishments and things that are happening in their lives. We get to rejoice with them, celebrate with them, and then there's also hard times that we walk with through with people. There's times to mourn. And we need a church family to walk with us through both. You, as part of a church family, are meant to be there for others in both parts of their lives, in the times of celebration and in the times of mourning. Folks, we do not just exist to come here together to worship and study the Scriptures, which are incredibly important and they're necessary. But that's not all the church is. The church exists also to be this source of comfort individually to one another when they go through a time of mourning because you can actually mourn with those who mourn. Why? Because life 
is hard. Which is why you need to be connected then to the point where people actually know you and you know them, you know their stuff, and you know their stuff. I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is a merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Whoops, go back. Didn't mean to do that. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Folks, if you have been through something in your life where God has been your source directly, I know it has been in, in my case in many times, I can also tell you that during that same time, time frame, there's also usually been someone else, a Jesus with skin on, so to speak, in your life who is part of the process. And, and how do we do that? I mean, we can give tons of examples. I'm just going to give you a few. But it just starts by listening. Be a shoulder as they literally cry and weep and, yes, sometimes wail. Because I've been there. We can do something like share a meal. Just blessing them with some food. You're just checking in on them, but, but also give them space when they really aren't in the mood to talk. And encourage them, and that is with or without words. Again, just being there for people. Because we have to be careful when we use words that we're not kind of doing, saying something kind of dumb, with, even with the best intentions, right? I think we've all been guilty of that. Here's just a couple of examples. Like, you go to someone who's gone through a tragedy and they've lost a loved one and someone has passed away, and you say, well, your loved one's in a better place. I don't care if they're in a better place or not. I want them right here, <laughs> right? God must have just needed them more than you did. Really? How rude. <laughs> you know, well, you're going to be stronger as you get through this. You know, well, God knew you could handle it. Huh? <laughs> I mean, things like that. We, sometimes we just don't know what to say, so we come up with these, like, these little tidbits of we think are wisdom and all they do is just add more frustration to people. Keep it just simple. Just say something like, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through this. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm going to help walk with you through this. Is there anything you need right now? Those are words of comfort. Those are words of assurance. Those are words of someone who actually cares. And when, when you feel it's appropriate, then you can say, hey, hey, you've got this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you along the way. Tell me what you need. Be that kind of person in people's lives when they need it, because most likely you're going to need it at some point in your life. The bottom line here is that we need each other. Life is hard, so be an instrument of God's comfort into the lives of others. And so I, I start, I end with the same question you asked at the beginning. Where are you, God? Jesus is telling us, I'm right here. I am the God who actually cares. I came so that one day all this hurtful stuff will end, and your guarantee of comfort, guarantee, is in me.
both now and in its fulfilled form in the future. Folks, I can tell you, that is some wonderful news. And we need that wonderful news. So let Him into your hurt. Let Him be the comfort in your life, your shelter, your strong tower. And let the healing begin.